Hi, everybody. This is Scott Powell. Uh, on behalf of Father Peter Musset and myself, thanks so much for listening to the Word on the Hill with the Lanky Guys podcast. Uh, we are unavailable this week, so we have a rerun for you. We have an episode from way back in 2014 that's discussing the readings from the 18th Sunday of Ordinary Time, which is what you're going to hear at Mass on Sunday. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, we will be back live next week with a brand new podcast. And until then, please keep us in your prayers and know that you will be in ours. Enjoy. You're drowned by my perfect fire, my perfect life. Well, hello, everybody. Hello. Guess who I'm with? Well, I'm telling them to guess. Oh, I, I, man, I like blew a fuse. I was like, I was like, who, who's here? I, I don't even know. You surprised me with I'm with extra guests. I'm with Father Peter Mossett. Oh, by the way, this is uh, The Word on the Hill. We're the Lanky Guys. My name is Scott Powell. And I am Father Peter Musset. Mooshot. Mooshot. Good. So we're in the 18th Sunday of Ordinary Time, which is Father Peter's birthday. What's our, up? Our readings are, our first reading is from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 3. Followed by Psalm 145. Uh, first strophe is 8 through 9. Mm. Second strophe is 15 to 16. Mm. And the third strophe is 17 to 18, and mm. our response is found in verse 16, which mm. we are not strophing today. Mm-mm, no strophe for us. Okay. Uh, second reading is from Romans chapter 8, verse 35, and then verses 37 through 39. Followed by Matthew uh, for our gospel today is going to be 14, 13 to 21. Well, those sound like great readings. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read them? <laughs> yes, of course I read them. <laughs> didn't we just talk about this? No, we didn't. Well, we did, but then the computer shut down and we like lost we all of the work that we did. No, we lost like a minute and a half. It was more like of, of, 15 and a half minutes. No, it was not 15 and a half minutes. Yeah, dude. We, we, we weren't sp- up to a half an hour yet. We spent all that time doing context on Isaiah. No, we did not. I can do it very quickly. All right, Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah 55. Everybody loves Isaiah. Everybody loves Isaiah. Isaiah. That's like Raymond. <laughs> yeah. I feel like in that show, nobody actually liked Raymond. I don't think so either. That's I ironic. Think that's the, the beauty that's of it. That's the joke. Okay, I Isaiah. like Isaiah. Isn't it the, like the centerpiece of all of the Old Testament? You might say <laughs> that Isaiah is sort of the centerpiece to the story of, of Israel in the Old Testament. <laughs> because if you think about it, though, it, if the story of Israel, it spans a ton of time. It begins by looking back over what Israel has done, kind of their sin that's brought them to the point of exile. Talks about the exile itself, but then it points ahead toward the time when they will be restored as a people and all nations will actually flock to Zion. So it really does recap kind of the whole story. And it's like 1 to 50, there's like Book of Consolation, one the Book of Sorrow. 1 through 39. 1 through 39 is like the Book of Woe, and then the 39 following is the Book of 40 happiness. through 66 is the Book of Happiness, yes. <laughs> the Book of Consolation. The Book of Consolation. Consolation. So here's so here's where oh, we yeah, are. I'm sorry, I have problems with my R's No, it's sometimes. good. Consolation. So we're in the Book of Consolation. So God is saying, okay, although you're in exile... There is hope I will restore you as a people. And it's kind of neat. The section where we are, which is chapter 55, is God saying, not only you, but all nations who will receive what I want to give you, you can flock to Zion. You can come to me and be filled. Not just Israel anymore, but everyone. And what 55 through 56, I think that's where it is. Um, No, it's, uh, yeah, it's around here. Oh, yeah, no, 49 through 55 talks about how this new exodus that the book has been talking about, which is now postponed because they're in Babylon, 
But this new exodus where they'll get to come back and the land will flourish, it's going to take place through the hand of this kind of mysterious suffering servant of God. who Nobody knows who that is. And so this passage is, is really beautiful. It's speaking about how God's going to restore you. And you're going to be able to eat and drink and there'll be abundance and, and, and with no cost, with no cost. And in times of exile, especially in times of famine, of drought and everything, even water would cost money. So, I mean, this is this is a big deal because they're suffering through a lot. And it's saying it's all going to come through this hands of, again, this mysterious suffering servant. That's where we are contextually. So here's what it says. Thus says the Lord. This is 55 verse one through three. All who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, (laughs) come receive grain and eat. Come without paying, without cost, drink wine and milk. Why spend your money for what is not bread? Your wages for what fails to satisfy. Heed me and you shall eat well. Mm. You shall delight in rich fare. Come to me heedfully. (laughs) Listen that you may have life. I will renew you with the everlasting covenant, the benefits assured to David. What I love about this is, again, they're living in exile. There's probably really hard times. It doesn't, I mean, think about it. When you're in hard times, you know, if, if you're even out of work, you know, you're, you're struggling with something, you, you're not making enough money to make ends meet. All you want is to make ends meet. All you want to do is survive. All you want is just to think for things to go back to the way they were. Mm-hmm. And what God is saying, no, 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 things are not going back to the way they were. When I'm not going to make ends meet for you, I'm going to give you abundance and richness and overflowing and you know, just milk and wine milk and grain and, wine and, and like grain extravagant and extravagance for nothing. That's what God wants to give. Not just he's going to make ends meet. He'll get he'll help you get by. No, he's not going to help you get by. He's going to give you extravagance for no cost. So it's this looking ahead to the future. But there is there is kind of a cost. It's not money. But if you keep reading Isaiah, I mean, it is there's a lot of people who will reject this offer of God. Well, this is a key point. Come to me heedfully. Yes, exactly right. Obediently. L- Bow lis- your heads. Listen. <laughs> I'm trying. Sorry. No, no, no. I mean, like, I cut you off three times as <laughs> you were trying to say listen. That's <laughs> ironic. <laughs> the irony is <laughs> so thick. It is thick. But thick like, one Ian but, but the cost is honey and wine. I said one Ian Hine. One Ian Hine. Dude, I never, I never put honey in my wine personally. You have had mead before, though, haven't I, you? I actually have had some great Hi, mead wine. with you at Rocky Grass. I remember drinking mead with you. Did you know that I had a keg of mead at our wedding? Or we had a keg of mead? That was our toast. We didn't use champagne. We're like, champagne is lame. We want to bring a big keg of mead. Do you know mead is actually hard to do and takes a really long time? I do. I took a tour of the factory. Oh, my my friend uh, tried to make mead, and they they he let me sample some, and he's like, "See how bad this is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like smelling bad milk. Like mm. this is horrible. I spent a really long time, and look how bad it came Did out." You ever see that Saturday Night Live skit where <laughs> they were uh-uh. like, "Oh man, this food is spoiled. You have to try this. This is terrible. Oh, You've got to yeah. try this." And like, oh, this oh, is this hurts so bad. Oh. You got to try this. Oh, yeah, it's the worst. Yeah. That's anyway, the... sorry. What were you saying? Um, but just heedfully, heedfully, he- heedfully listen. Yeah. And that that in in some ways this is actually going to be a, a section that's going to help us to tie what's going to be happening later on in these scriptures, yes. so that yeah. so that we can actually um, understand what the cost really is, right? Because there is a cost; it's just not money. That's yep. important, though. Yep. Nobody rides for free. Nobody rides for free. Psalm one forty five is a perfect segue. We've actually. I feel like we're always in Psalm 145 for the psalm lately. <laughs> don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do too. I, I don't know why. I mean, I know we're not always, but so here's what's cool though. 145's so got a lot happening. But here's what's cool though. It's talking about food and grain and milk and honey and all these things. Traditionally, Psalm 145 has been a popular ancient Christian prayer before meals. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Which I think is kind um, of fascinating. The Lord right? opens His hand uh, wide and He fills. Uh, yeah, yeah. I the really eyes pray. of all look to you, you in fitting season. You give them food. You open your hands. You give. Um, what is it? You fill living things. All the living things with blessing. Yeah, you. Open so your it's a meal prayer. Yeah, we used to do it in seminary. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's in it's in the liturgy of the hours. Really well too. <laughs> yeah, <you're doing> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Right, it's from seminary. Yeah, when I used to teach there. But yeah, so I mean that. But that's. That's fitting, though, isn't it? Talking about this this day that's coming when he's going to give you wine and extravagant food, and then the church, in her wisdom, gives us the meal prayer right yeah. beforehand, which is cool. It's really cool, and and it, oh, sorry, which and <laughs> no, go for it. Sorry. <laughs> so the uh, oh, you didn't juke ah, me. Didn't you nope. juked me. I'm done. Um, I uh, I remember my first experience of authentic Catholic culture was the meal prayer. Actually, that really we could actually pray the bless us, O Lord. I was over at a friend's house. It must have been first grade or second grade or something, and they prayed bless us, O Lord. And I was like, I know that prayer. That's what <laughs> I, I know. Do. This we do that like like there's something really. Did you say it like that? Yeah, I, I actually. Never gotten I actually, yeah, I turned into a muppet. Um, <laughs> they were like, not mu- not not Father Peter Muppet. It's Father Peter Muppet. Father Peter Muppet. Father Peter Muffin. Muffet. Muffet, little Miss Peter Muffet, dude. That that was actually uh, uh, Teresa Mario Chavez's um, uh, kids. Where they met my dad, and they were like, "Oh, he's a Muffet." And the <laughs> other one turns to to the younger one and says, "No, he's not Muffet. It's Muppet." Can I tell you something ironic? Uh-huh. You literally told that story on the last podcast that we were. No, I didn't. It's okay. It's a good story. <laughs> But it just oh, it's a great story, dude. This is the thing about our. This is the thing about both of us is that we're turning into old men. Oh, have you? Have I told you? Let me tell you that story. When, dude, like I, the older you get, the more you just kind of repeat the stories over and over again. You know what? It's how it's it. It's how we roll. Hey man, right. there's no shame. There's well, no there's shame. a little shame. So 145. Okay, eating. Um, you know, but the other thing about 145, and we've talked about this before, it's uh, it's an acrostic psalm. Which means that in the original Hebrew, every line began with the the the, uh, the concurrent alphabet. Z- g- yeah. Z- we'll get, uh, so the first line a, B, would be C, A, B, the next G, line yeah. would be B, the next line would be C. And again, what what that sort of symbolizes in Hebrew literature is totality, right? From beginning to yeah. end, from A to Z. And so, really, Psalm one forty five, it's 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 been described as uh, sumptuous and extravagant. Which is like a, a wedding feast, right? Yeah. It's an earthly cha- earthly taste of the heavenly banquet, which again is fitting for what God is describing in Isaiah that he's going to do for us. So it's not just a meal prayer. Yeah. It's a meal prayer that describes thank- God wanting to give us everything from A to Z, this extravagance yeah. in food and drink and celebration and everything else. But, Uh-oh, the, way, but. the way that it happens is the Lord is just in all his ways, last strophe. Yeah. And holy in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. Again, yeah. uh, this is actually a really another important thread that's going to help us to understand how these things are coming through. So the first one, we're actually listening. The second one, we're actually we're actually calling upon, which yes. we, you're, we're going to see this kind of merge together in the gospel reading. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Root re. So, okay. so um, Romans has absolutely nothing to do with anything no, that we're talking no, about today. No, it did. When I was reading it before, it totally did have something to do with it. And I can't. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got it. So this is Romans 38. Uh, I'm sorry. Romans 8, 35. Wow, you're excited. I was. This is my favorite passage in scripture. I, I think it's safe to say that this is my favorite one. Oh, my goodness. Because it's really powerful. It this is. This is the first passage that I memorized in scripture. The first, yeah, memorization passage. Who will separate us? 
So brothers and sisters, what will separate us from the love of Christ? Will anguish or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? No, in all, and then I think 36, verse 36 just goes on. No, in all these things we conquer overwhelmingly. The better Greek translation is we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so here's why I love this and here's why it fits perfectly. This is being written to the church in Rome as the Neronian persecution is just getting fired up. So remember Nero, Emperor Nero, who launched the bloodiest persecutions of Christians that the world had seen is just beginning at this point. And into that, Paul gives this line. Nothing's going to separate us. Not peril, not the sword, not principalities or darkness or anything else. And all these things were more than conquerors. The same thing is, is in a certain sense happening in the terms of the first reading. They're in slavery. They're facing the sword and persecution and famine and nakedness and peril. And in the midst of that, it's saying, the first reading in Old Testament terms is saying, what can separate you? Because if you come to the Lord, you will eat extravagantly. You will drink extravagantly. It can't touch you. Yes, you're suffering. Yes, you're facing the sword. Yes, you're facing peril. But if you heed God, if you listen heedfully, is that what it says? Yeah. Then you will be graced extravagantly. You can't understand even what that means yet or what that looks like because they're dealing, you know, almost a thousand years before this. But if you have eyes to see it, it's going to happen. I'm, I think it's particularly telling. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know how much you've been watching the news since you've been over running not, the Camino or walking the Camino. I mean, the world, the world is falling apart at the seams. There's planes being shot out of the sky. The Middle East is at war. Jerusalem and Tel Aviv are, have bombs coming in for the first time in years. The Gaza Strip is exploding. Christians are being, Christians in, in the city of Mosul in Iraq are being faced with either converting oh, yeah. to Islam or facing the sword. Yes. I mean, this passage is real. This isn't theoretical or this old timey, remember when, kind of a passage. This is real life. Yeah. And in the midst of that, what it's saying is, God is going to give you an extravagant feast out of the midst of that. Mm, yes. No, there's nothing the world can do to you that can actually take that away. And I'd like to. It's good to point out that it's not revenge. No. What the, do you mean? That like it, the spirit is not like okay, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Because we are going to shove this oh, yeah. right back down your no, throat. No, no. 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 This is this is actually like when you imitate and you experience the powerful cross of the Lord, yeah. then. Then you actually are experiencing if you, because you've listened heedfully to the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Mm. Which brings us, my friends. Oh, sorry, I had one other thing. Can I say one more thing about the that? Next idea of Scott Powell. Can I say one more thing? Yes, it's just it's the next idea. It's do you good. know? Do you know what the Greek word for conquer is? Because that's what Romans says. We're in all these things. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. No, you do know this word. You all oh. know this word. There's a popular shoe brand that's named after this Greek word. Nike. Nike. You knew that, didn't you? No. Oh, you didn't? No. So the Greek word, it's a verb. To conquer is Nike. Nike. So the reason they named the shoe company and the athletic wear whatever company is because it means to conquer, to be victorious, to be a victor, right? So that word, it's a really interesting word, but there's, uh, in the cat. you've been to the catacombs in Rome, right? No. You've never been to the catacombs? No, catacombs for me. Catacombs are cool in Rome. And I don't remember which catacomb it is. I want to say it's San Calixtus, but I'm not totally sure. But in one of the catacombs in Rome, or beneath Rome, there is this, um, 
you know, I mean, this is where the heart of the church, the heart of the early church is. They're buried all these people who are martyred for the faith, the poor next to the rich, you know, the powerful next to the slaves. I mean, it's it's profound. And there's this um, little tomb, and I, I, I'm pulling the details together because I just thought of it now. But there's this tomb there I remember seeing when I was in Rome as, a, as an undergraduate. And it's this person who was martyred. I think they were fed to the lions in the Colosseum for proclaiming Christ. And over their tomb is some ancient first century graffiti. And what the graffiti says is Nike. It doesn't have the swoosh, but it says, <laughs> it says But someone wrote in the first century Nike. So this person who was fed to the lions and killed, someone had the good sense in the first century to write Nike over their tomb. Because despite the fact that they faced the lions and they were eaten and they lost their earthly life, Someone said, no, that person is a conqueror because they did not fail in their faith mm. and they're receiving the heavenly banquet right now. Mm. I just thought that was beautiful because that's yeah. what it means to be a conqueror. Yeah. It's not revenge. It's it's fighting the good fight, right? Yeah. And, and, and what fighting the good fight means is bringing truth and goodness and justice and yeah. light. Yeah, yeah. Um, not the Gimilid sword. Chesedid, chesedim. Gimilud Hasidim. Gimilud Hasidim. Gimilud Hamasidim. Yep. Do <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Nailed yeah. it. <laughs> Nailed it. Hashtag. <laughs> well, then, when uh, Jesus heard of the oh, Nike I of guess John the Matthew. Baptist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like that. The death of John the Baptist. But yes. Yeah. I mean, the but conquering. He, yeah. But, but he conquered. He because, totally conquered. Because, dude, uh, John the Baptist brought his A game. Let's be he honest. Brought, he did. I mean, his whole life, he was doing it until finally yeah. he was preaching in jail. Yeah. Until that girl get a bad belly dance, <laughs> and her mama was like, "Give him the dude's head," and she was like, "That's a really what?" Oh, and then he was like, "Dude, to he translate was Father Peter slur that was give me the dude's head." Because you missed that. <laughs> give me the dude's head, and then they lopped it off. Dude, heads severed from bodies, no, not a pleasant thing. Do you have experience with that? I mean, no, but okay, like, good. good. I, I mean, I've seen it on TV before. Have you? Yeah. What are you watching? Not probably TV not things you should are, be watching that are pleasant for humans. Okay, so, back to business. Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist. He withdrew himself to uh, in a boat to a deserted place by himself. Okay, so this is this part. So in, in this part of the gospel, um, it's kind of it's kind of fun if you've been reading. I think it's geographically interesting because the apostles and Jesus have been up around the Sea of Galilee. Uh-huh. And if you've been reading carefully, they're basically like crisscrossing back and forth across the Sea of Galilee. They're not walking around, but they keep getting on boats and going back and forth. Which is really fun to do. Which would probably be fun to do, but it's probably the most you know direct route back and forth. Yeah. So Jesus, I mean, okay, so here's, Jesus is, gen- this is one of the times in the Gospels, and there's a handful, where you see Jesus genuinely sad. I mean, he's showing his humanity for real. This is his cousin, for Pete's sake. You know, it's probably a good friend. John the Baptist is dead, and he wants to mourn a little. He wants yeah. some time, right? Yeah. So he gets into a boat, uh, and he went to a deserted place. He goes out into the lake just to be by himself. The crowds heard about it, and they followed him on foot. Oh, he's alone. Let's get him. Let's go find oh, him. The crowds heard of this. See, this is the thing: is Jesus heard of the death of oh, the John the Baptist? Ooh, look at you and your little see, word. Yeah, play. you see what's happening? No. Well, just watch. Tell me. Well, oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, we have two instances so we of got being heard. heard. So we got hurting. So he heard, hurting and is they heard. So he heard, they heard. So what happens is okay. he hears about the death of John the Baptist, and he they hear that uh, about Jesus going away to a place alone. Here's what's kind of interesting to me. So he, if, if this were me and my 
close cousin had just died and I just wanted to be alone. Yes. And all these throngs of people came and found me. Yes. My reaction would be to be ticked off. I'd yes. Like, Get out of my face. And I'd go further away or something. I'd be mad. Well, it was like this. So I was on the Camino. I mean, literally, I had I had um, nearly 20 days. Yeah. I had one hour away from people. Hmm. One hour. And, and and I realized it at the end of the trip and I was like, I need an hour to myself. Yeah, I, I, was, I was just like... I mean, like, and I just needed to process and to just go be with alone with the father, right? And like, and like, if somebody would have come up at the time, yeah. I mean, I don't know what my reaction would have been. I mean, I would have been, I would have been willing to engage them, but like, but dude, it would have. What the cost of that was yeah. just so intense. Well, and that's what's so amazing. He says he disembarked. He saw the crowd. His heart was moved with pity for them, and so he cured their sick. So he's not annoyed. He's not. Ticked off, which I would have been, right? Yeah. But he's moved with pity. That's because you're a bad man. I am a bad man. When it was evening, I'm a sinner. When it was evening, I am. The disciples approached him and said, so then it it was evening. So presumably they've been at it for a long time. They're talking to him. They're, you know, they're taking his energy away for a long time. Then it's evening. So they spend the day doing this, right? And the disciples approach him and ask, this is a deserted place and it's already late. Dismiss the crowds. And they asked. Where? See, they spoke. So we have listening, listening, and and spoke, and speaking. So this is how we we tie back in. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. All upon, who call upon him in truth. Mm. So we have this first thing is listen heedfully. So what Jesus is doing is he's giving the example. So he's giving the example of what does it mean to listen heedfully? Sometimes you actually just have to listen to the fact that you're sad and go and feel your emotions. Yeah. And the people, they're listening heedfully because they are wounded and they need the grace of God. Yeah. But then what is Jesus? What ends up happening is the, the, the disciples come and they speak and they say, Lord, okay, yeah. we, you know, like, okay. Yeah. And, and they, they said to him, it's a deserted place and right. it's late. Dismiss them so that they can go to the villages to buy food for themselves because they're holding them. He, he like, they want Jesus. Right. But what is Jesus' response? Because this is I, this is what I find really interesting. Buy food for them yourselves. Go feed them yourselves. He doesn't yeah. say buy. Does he say buy food in your translation? No, give them food yourselves. Give them food yourselves. I mean, th- just think about that for a second. I mean, Jesus is the one who's going to perform the miracle, right? Jesus is going to feed them. But what does he say to the apostles? Give them food yourselves. I want you to do it. Which is, I think, the first explicit, well, implicit, I guess. But it's one of the first big references to their priesthood, that they're going to do this. It's not just, I mean, you're not a pawn up on the altar when you're celebrating the Eucharist. No. He is actually doing it through you. You give us the Eucharist. Yes. From Jesus. But you, yes. you Father Peter, must stand in the place of Christ. You don't lose your own humanity. You actually do this act, which is what they're going to be set up for. But I, I just think it's so interesting because he's doing the miracle. But he says, I want you to give them the food. I just find that really interesting. I just walked the Camino with 12 people. Whoa, 12. Yes, are, are you, you're picking up. And so what was happening wow. is a very existential experience where I got to preach. I got to actually bring in the big crowds and touch particular individuals. But ultimately, they needed to be empowered to yeah. go out and to actually touch the lives of the people who we were around. Yeah. And when they did it, it was profound. Yeah. And But, but it took courage. You're like, oh, no, we can just rely on Father Peter. He's good. Right. But the reality right. is, is right. that when right. they took it up, man, yeah. man, then the goods started happening. And totally. it's, it, it happened profoundly. Yeah, totally. 
with my peeps. That's cool. I keep on wanting to say all their names, but I f- I'm afraid that I'm going to forget a name and then yeah, they're going to be sad. Don't even try. So um, they say, okay, well, we have five loaves and two fish. In other ver- in other gospel accounts, it, there's a little boy who actually provides them, right? Yep. Or is I that think, a different story? Yeah, no, no. No, the, that's the other account. This is the thing is, I actually think that there are uh, several times that this happened. Yeah, I think there's at least a couple. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But this one, like five loaves and two fish is very exciting to me. Yeah, tell us why. Because you have, whenever you see five, you have Pentateuch. Pentateuch. Pentateuch is the first thing in your mind. So the, you're which saying, is the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, pen, uh, we are saying is this we're, uh, we get the word Pentagon, right? Or Pentagram, right? Um, or Pentecost, is, or Pente, or <laughs> that's all we get. Yeah, that's all we got for okay. you. Um, and so, so the five loaves, like the the notion that Jesus would actually take the the Pentateuch mm. and break it open so that the meaning mm. would be nourishing. Break it open, nice work. You see how that happened? He broke Broken it open. open. Broken open. The wow. Word. Yeah. Nice job. And and well, well played, Father Peter. Yeah, and then then you have the two fish. Yeah. Which some could say it's actually the law and the prophets. Law and I mean, the prophets. Uh, uh, sorry, the the prophets and the psalms. No, the law and the prophets. Is the law and the prophets? Yeah. Because isn't the Pentateuch the law? Yeah. <laughs> that's but, what I. That's but, what I was got me confused but, about. This. But the law and the prophets also is the shorthand Jewish shorthand for the scriptures. Mm. The law and the prophets. That's that's how you sum up. So you have the Pentateuch, the law, and the prophets. That everything can actually be. Yeah. Multiplied and that, that there is an unfathomable richness. Wow, that's good. There's an unfathomable richness that does not end in its engagement. That is more oh, nourishing. Cool. I mean, that's why the the priestly command is give them food yourself. Like, that's why all of heaven and earth is anticipating the revelation of the sons of men. That's cool. Is that we have actually been in like Jesus? He gave scripture studies, but we never hear about them. Right. Because he he empowered that to be given by the church. That's cool. That's really cool. And so, some people think that the two fish are also can also be just kind of like um, the the five is the is kind of the Pentateuch, but then the two fish or the the talents give them some fish. Like that, it's actually just like the 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 beautiful things that are in humanity, and that like the Lord actually breaks open the talents and the goodness that's in, intrinsic in each one of us. Right. And that that w- what ends up happening. Is we have how much left over? Yeah. Well, we're not there yet. Oh, come on. We're almost there. Okay, we're almost there. Okay. Don't jump ahead. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, this is one of so, my favorite okay. parts of scripture. I okay. sh- why did I jump ahead? I don't know why. That's why I school. Cray cray. So bring them here to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Oh, By the way, God. what time of day is it? It's nearly evening. It is evening. It is evening. Remember? It said when oh, it was yeah. evening, the disciples approached. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because it says the hour. Where? Um, in the Greek, it doesn't. It says, um, um, uh, "This is a desert, and it is already late." It says the the hour is past, which is just really? interesting. Just as far as the the the, uh, la, the aura, uh, aura. Yeah, I, I keep on wanting to sing it in Greek, but I've, I I I've, definitely I've, Spanish. I got Spanish in my breath. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, what else happened in the evening, or when the hour was late? Um. Well, no, no, no. Hold on. Okay, so it's evening. There's people sitting on the grass. He took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up to heaven, said the blessing, broke the loaves, and gave it to his disciples. Blessed, broke, and gave. It's the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Oh, you... It's Emmaus. It's Emmaus. 
Yeah, what is Emmaus pointing back to? The breaking up of the loaves. No, are you seriously? Come on, what are you talking about? The Eucharist. Oh, the, oh, <laughs> the Last Supper, man. <laughs> this is okay. The you road wanna... to Emmaus is meaningless without their Last Supper. Okay, so, this is pointing to it. So, so yeah. really, this and the Road to Emmaus are the bookends in a certain sense. Yeah, let's let's just let's just go somewhere for a second here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the reality of my life is the reason why I'm not a very good teacher. Oh, come on, don't be self-deprecating. I have no patience for this. Okay, man. okay, but this is the thing: is that I forget the totally obvious. You do. I like it's like, all right. Like the big points, like it's the Eucharist. <laughs> no, like, that's why it's cool like, because like, you were looking right past it. It's like it's so implicit, and I'm totally down. So what else happened in the evening? Um, the last supper. The last supper, right? So evening, evening, the took, blessed, broken, gave. It's the same words that Matthew uses to describe the Eucharist. Wouldn't, it's also the same words that Luke uses to describe the road to Emmaus. You're absolutely right. And wouldn't it be the words that were used in the Passover meal? I don't actually I know. Don't know. I, I, well, I don't know. I don't know where that would be. I mean, the Father does it in the Passover celebration, but I don't know if... I, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. I, I, there's some bitter herbs and some unleavened bread. You're some bitter herbs. Dude, the, the, no, I, I'll tell you, I'm some bitter herbs in the food chains between yeah, Spain man. and the United States. What's up? Okay. <laughs> so he looks up to heaven. He blessed him. He gave it. But who does he give it to? This is my favorite part. He gives it to the disciples. Right. He doesn't give it to the crowds. He gives it to the disciples. Which is like the coolest. Do you imagine? Because somebody led me through a meditation once. Hmm. About this moment where yeah. it's like, okay, put yourself at the place one of the disciples. Yeah. And Jesus breaks it and says, he has five loaves and two fish. And he's like, okay, feed the people. Here's some. <laughs> right. and, and and you're like, you um, you, you kind of like, you take a chunk and you're like, oh man, this is, you're right. like, you're thinking this ain't going to last. Right. But they do it. And and then like, they break it they, they and they like give it to some people in the front row and they, they kind of turn back around and they go back to Jesus and Jesus keeps giving them stuff and they're like, um, uh, uh, like like a couple of times, so they're like, and so they're waiting for it to go out, and then all of a sudden they're starting to realize, like, this isn't. It just keeps coming. This isn't stopping, and then then you're like, yeah, and then you're like giving it in the abundance, and then like there's this like, I mean, they must have been totally going freak nasty oh, in their minds. They would have been like, yeah, <laughs> freak nasty. That's probably not the right adjective. Probably not, but that's all right. I mean, I would be going totally Aussie. <laughs> yes. again this is a terrible description no, great they're great yeah but it, it's amazing so, so wanna, he works it at their hands he does and do you want to get to my favorite line here you go for it my favorite line in terms of the liturgy this this week so he gave it to the disciples who in turn gave it to the crowds they all ate and were satisfied what was the first reading all about oh they ate and were satisfied. They were satisfied. They're being satisfied. Why do you spend your wages for what fails to satisfy? The first reading is all, I think it culminates on this idea of satisfying. You spend your money on these things that will not satisfy you. Yeah. I'm going to give you this everlasting, sumptuous, extravagant feast, which will satisfy you. Yeah. Where is it then that the suffering, this mysterious suffering servant of Isaiah gives bread without cost that will satisfy. It's not the big fancy palace hall that they're all expecting it to be at in the time of Isaiah. It's on this seaside in Galilee from this man who's just trying to mourn his cousin. But it's there where they come heedfully, like you said. Yeah. 
and they eat without cost. I mean, that's what the disciples want him to do. Remember, the disciples say, go and have them buy their own food. And Jesus wants, I mean, if you read between the lines, what he's saying is, no, I don't want them to spend their money. I want to give it to them without cost. Yeah. You feed them. Yeah. I don't want them to pay for this. Not because they're freeloaders, but it all fits. It yeah. all has to fit. But it's, it's, again, that's the nature of the Gospels. It's the last place that you'd expect to look. Yeah. It's not where you were expecting it to happen. And they picked, like you said, then, then we get to the part that you really wanted to get to. Then they picked up the fragments left over. There were 12 wicker baskets full. Which is such an image of the church. It's right. a reconstitution of Israel. It's the... Yeah. Yeah? And yeah, yeah, sorry. No, there's more. There's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's give lots. Me, give me more, man. Well, I mean, what do the 12 represent? Don't be holding back but, on well, me now. What do the 12 represent? The 12 disciples? The 12 apostles. Well, why are there 12 apostles? To um, uh, reconstitute Israel. Yeah, the 12 tribes, right? Yeah, yeah. So... I love this line, though. I think about what he's saying. See, they picked I, up I forget all. The, I forget the, the, the name. What does Jesus name. not allow them to do? Or what do they not do? Does that mean, I don't know if this question makes sense. They do not do do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Why I, do they pick up all the leftovers? I don't know. Because I mean, they don't want to leave any behind. Yeah. You said it's an image of the church. What the church does is go out and make sure that there is none left behind. This image of the 12 tribes, which have been scattered all across the world, which have now, by this point in salvation history, been intermarried with all the nations of the earth, that are scattered to the four winds. The church herself, Mm -hmm. through the hands of the priests and the bishops, goes out because they do not want to leave any part of that behind. So they gather it together. They gather it up to take with them. Well, but yeah. I think the imagery is really profound. Yeah, the imagery as like as seeds scattered on the hill, so too yeah. are we scattered. Right. So like so like and actually this this is actually the shepherding that comes forth from yeah. the heart of the Lord embedded into the apostles yeah. that nothing no nobody's left behind. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And and that that is actually like this is an eschatological image, which means the end times. It it's a revelation of what we are all heading to. Yeah, absolutely. Which is the gathering in. Yep, absolutely. Even though we might be like wheat in the fields, or the shoes and the tires from last week's gospel. Do you know about the five thousand men? Like, oh, is is there is oh there a connection? Dear. Probably. I know. Like, I know that in another one, it it like goes towards some sort of like Davidic. Thing well, you know what where I always sat, well, said. People sit down in battalions and stuff. Yeah, you know, I always thought, so I know there's a bunch of theories about what the 5,000 represent. Yeah. I My personal thoughts, this is not the mind of the church, this is just me. Personal. There, there could be a lots of symbolism, symbolic stuff going on. My personal thought on this is that's one of those things that is thrown in there because Peter, or I mean, Matthew wants to assure you that he is an eyewitness to these things. It's an eyewitness account. Yeah. So it matters actually how many people were there. It's not just, oh, I heard about this thing. There were a bunch of people they fed. No, there were 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. It's an eye, That's how you would actually give an account in a court of law. Yeah. Because women and children actually didn't count in that sense and for legal purposes. So he's giving a legally binding account of an exact number, which tells me, oh, wow, that's an eyewitness account, and, not just some fable that was passed well, in. And that's actually very Matthew of him. It's very Matthew. Because he, like, he's Same a tax collector, so he's going to be sitting there, he's going to be like, Counting. he's going to be weighing up. He's going to be like, what is this about? Absolutely. I think that there could be some sort of association. I think there could too, but that's where I, that's my first. I like that. I, there could thing. be some sort of association with the five loaves and the 5,000. Like, 
how like that they're like like because taking the number a thousand i mean again numbers in the old testament are, are more qualitative than quantitative right even though i think in that, the new in the new testament i like and i think that the eyewitness account that this is actually a quantitative number but i yeah. think that there's something qualitative about the thought the, like um i will have i will give you abundant gifts fl- yeah. overflowing pressed down a thousand fold over so i don't know it's just the total theory. Yeah, no, I, I, I think there's probably something going on. I'm just not sure about it. So, is. so basically, what we're trying to tell you today is uh, we don't know. Listen heedfully to the Lord. Listen heedfully, and um, and, and the, you will be satisfied. You'll be satisfied, and don't give yourself to things that do not satisfy. Right. But give yourself to things that really do satisfy, and like this podcast, like this podcast, and the corporal works of mercy. No, oh, that's better. <laughs> that's a better one. <laughs> the, the sacramental life, the communal oh, life. Oh, <laughs> like we're a small, prayer. tiny little corner piece of the of the communal life. Yeah, yeah, and the intellectual life. Like yeah. these are these are things that really do satisfy. The silliness and life. and and my and my really fabulous humor. I mean, mm-hmm. that that does not fail to satisfy. No, it anybody. does not. So. Well, uh, if you uh, are not satisfied by this podcast, send us an email uh, or post it on Facebook. Well, no, only if you're satisfied. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We don't want any negative publicity. No, no. Put it all up there. Let it all hang out. Let it all hang out. Isn't there a song like that? Probably. Well, you guys, we're going to miss you. Um, If you're not satisfied, then um, go pray or something. Absolutely. Or find a different podcast. (laughs) But then come back to this one. And then we love you. We really love you guys. Father Peter, welcome back. It is good to have you here. It's so good to be back. Can I tell you? Stinks doing this alone. It really is no fun, like, knowing that the podcast is going and, like, I'm not there. I'm so used to doing this every week that, like, not having a Sunday, I mean, a a, a Wednesday, because we always do it on, we try to do it on Wednesday. Indeed. Indeed. All right, everybody. We'll be back next week. It'll be cool. Have a great week. See you next week. We will be gone. Peace out. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.